it's Shalicia Harris, your host of Buzzworthy. Join me as I sit down with entrepreneurs to talk about their innovative businesses and their unique stories. Remember to follow us on social at Hamilton Hive on all platforms. And don't forget to rate our podcast. Let's jump into today's story. Hey, everyone. Everyone, today we have the co-founder of Search and Gather, Doug Gorey, and he's got an incredible story and his passion behind his business is really inspiring. And I hope everyone can take all the learnings from Doug's story. We're going to laugh a little bit. We're going to have some fun, um, but we're also going to talk about some real business issues and challenges. So Doug, thanks for being here with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited. Amazing. So our first question to our entrepreneurs is always, you know, what set you up to be an entrepreneur? That's a great, great question. Um, I think even as a young kid, I didn't really like to play by the rules too much. And um, I, I was also a musician from a very young age. And there's no real go get a job as a musician. I think um, from a really young age, playing music, setting up that band, being in charge and being able to see the opportunities, record a record, uh, go through that. And even that followed me throughout my career in kind of school. I remember um, a funny story. I I got in a lot of trouble in college because I remember we had this project uh, we were working on, we were doing the new marketing for the new Volkswagen Beetle. I'm dating myself, but it just came out that year. And uh, I had made a, I would say a strategic partnership with the broadcasting students because we didn't have access to uh, the video lab, but they also really didn't like their accounting classes. So um, we ended up tutoring them very heavily in their accounting classes, but then we got access to um, the video equipment and uh, our coordinators did not like that we went outside of the means that we would usually have. I thought it was innovative, had to uh, kind of defend it and then I really liked that spirit of like finding new ways of making something work. And I think as an entrepreneur, you can't just cookie cutter a business if you're going to be successful. You have to find your own ways and different ways to really be successful. And that's why I think I really gravitated towards startups. And I think that really got me into my entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I worked for government, I worked for educational before. When I got into startups, I was fortunate enough to feel like I had started a business and go through the practice of starting a business and go through the woes and the the ups and the downs and being able to wear many hats um, without taking too much of the risk. And I think I was very cautious of saying, I can't just jump into something if I don't do some learning. And with the startup culture, you end up getting so much more experience than just the job you're doing and so much access to the inner workings of a business and going through seed ground fundings and going through audits and some of the really hard, difficult things that I don't think you can learn in school or anything. Um, and I think that was my path to it, but I think there is, for me and myself, I guess it's, it's more, I think entrepreneurs don't fit into a mold and they don't want to fit into a mold. And I have nothing wrong with people who like, like they love the mold, they, they, they want to join a company and going through. I think for myself, I was always yearning to have that responsibility, but also drive a ship and make sure that, you know, we could 
test things our ways and you know kind of do things a little bit differently and i think you need that differentiation um doing things a different way again to be successful or at least to take that jump and i think you also need i'm a very um I guess I like to take risks. So risks, risks don't scare me. And, uh, but I, I also want them to be calculated. So I, I think I made sure that I always had businesses on the side and freelancing when I was working, but I think to take the ultimate jump, um, I just wanted to make sure that I was putting myself in positions to just be a sponge and learn as much as my, as I can. And the, the startup world really, really helped me out with that. And, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of my entrepreneurial journey, I guess. And also the strive to make things better. You have to have that strive to say, you know, I see this problem and I want to fix it. And uh, oddly enough, it ended up being in an agency situation. Which is such a perfect segue into where our conversation's going. But before you even decided to identify this problem that Search and Gather eventually is going to solve, um, how did you decide to do that with a co-founder? I know that having a co-founder is difficult. Finding a good co-founder is difficult. So how did you identify this person you were going to be a co-founder with? And you're still together, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us that story. It's a funny story. When I met Drew, um, he had started at Rate Supermarket Uh I had been there for a little bit lo- longer and we, we were kind of a close-knit crew and I was working on the design side and moving, transitioning into business development and partnerships. And I, I do remember he was sitting over at the corner, he was near Calvin's desk and he was putting together an audit uh, for, for I think all of our paid channels. And I, I knew he was smart. He's one of those guys that you just meet um, that I just knew he was so bright. Um, I also knew he was cool, but we did not jive at the beginning. I remember I gave him some brand guidelines and stuff to, that we do our decks in, and he totally just disregarded it. It was like, and he put together like a slick Apple-esque kind of, you know, presentation. I was miffed. I was, you know, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? He just started, but I had to respect it. In, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, this looks like way better. And it it was really good. And it went through that a little bit. And we just kind of happened to meet by chance. But as we got to know each other more, I think that we had the same drive. And I loved his drive. He loved my drive. But we're also polar opposite people. Um, He's a trained engineer. He's a civil engineer. He's he's so meticulous and is so much more on the math side and I'm more on the creative side and the psychology side and like the conversion rate optimization side. But we had so much in common that met in the middle, but just like loving analytics and loving growing businesses and loving seeing the stats on it. And we also love to see music. We, we ended up finding out like, you don't meet a lot of people who, you know, would sit down and, you know, listen to a bunch of Willie Nelson records with you, but uh, he's that guy. And we, we love old country and old blues. And we started growing closer together. And I remember there's one fateful night and I can tell you um, from that night, I knew I wanted to do something with Drew. We had a huge campaign. Um, it was going out and the I was outside of conversion rate optimization at this point. I was fully in business development. So I didn't have much control on the landing page and we just wanted one button. And Drew's like, we gotta get this button on this page. It's gonna kill it. We're gonna have such good conversions. And I remember 
the dev team was like, nope, not going to make it in time for the campaign. I remember fighting down in the basement, just like, please get the button. And we got the button in. We were both really happy. We went to Wide Open, uh, which was our bar of choice at the same time. I suggest anyone to go there. It's a really fun place. It's like a, an alleyway with a roof on it. And we're just looking at analytics on our phone. I was like, and he's like, do you want to, let's go back to your place. And we, we sat, we spent the whole night watching Google Analytics real time, seeing how well this campaign was going. And I didn't think I would ever have that connection with someone else. Now, that being said, I said, we're polar opposites. There's challenges with being polar opposites, but I saw that as a strength. And I knew that it would bring, you know, maybe some frustrations down the road for Drew and myself. But having that connection on getting excited about the analytics and growing and doing a really good job and something that you're proud of, I think that's when I was really clinched um, that I could do something with Drew. And I think he had the same thing that he wanted to do something with me. And I think like in a true co-founder relationship, you have to look out for each other and you have to kind of want to see that other person do well and have their back. And I think um, I always knew that would Drew. And I remember before we really jumped into this, we always did say friends first, friends first, business second, um, rather go broke than, you know, lose our friendship. And I think maintaining that um, even during the hard times, because I think any entrepreneur knows that there is hard times having that friends first um, and reminding ourselves of that um, really kind of gets us through. So that's kind of, kind of the brief, brief history, but uh, with, with Drew and myself, but uh, that being said, I feel like I have 16 co-founders right now. It's, it's, it's not just about even co-founding with Drew, um, but we'll get more into that. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, we absolutely will. <laughs> I think what's really interesting is, um, both you and Drew showed your entrepreneurial spirit in very similar ways in obviously different circumstances. Drew was, you know, it was that you actually tried to box him in with these branding guidelines. And he was just like, no, I don't <laughs> no. fit in that mold. And he did his own thing. And so I think that's where, like you said, a lot of the respect for the work he did actually came from and really showed his determination to know that I'm going to do what's right and what I feel is best. Um, and now you guys actually are able to do that as a team together, which is fantastic. And I think that's kind of a lesson too, just, just because one incident, it, I don't know how to articulate it, but I, I do have respect for people that do do things their own way, even if it's not the way that I'm looking for. And I think you always have to take a step back and say, well, is it better? And if it's better, then it's good. And you, you can't just get caught up in yourself a, a little bit too much. And I think like not running those brand guidelines at that point, but the fact that it was better, um, probably going to love to hear because I didn't think it was better at the time, but it really did, did gain a, a lot of respect. And I think that it's, it's sometimes you have to, um, you have to see that in people. And I think I, we try to, we, we kind of saw that in each other at the same point too. And I think that um, goes back to what you were saying with, you know, now having 16 co-founders. I know the word collaboration is a huge word that's being tossed around everywhere, but what does true collaboration mean? And that is accepting that those different opinions um, 
are sometimes better than the vision that someone has in the first place, especially sure. as leaders and as a business owner that has, you know, 16 plus employees, um, you are that leader and you can't sit there and dictate what everyone does every day. And, and that's oh, ultimately a true collaboration there. For sure. And even furthermore, I think you got to put your money where your mouth is too, and have profit sharing and have shares and kind of, you can't just expect people to be, you know, working as a co-founder or part of the team if they don't have a piece of that as well. And I think, um, but yeah, we're, we're definitely not a top down kind of agency, which is something that didn't jive with Drew and I either, like anyway, like, you know, in the agencies that we worked with. Um, and I think that's, I could see why. I think more with the experience why someone would want to lead top down and maybe not have the collaboration and everything. Um, I think that's an easier route, to be honest. Um, I don't think it's a successful route, but I think that it's taking the easy way out to say, you know, this is how things are done. It's, it's harder to have your ears open and really action it. Um, but the payout is so much better. Um, and yeah. it kind of really builds a, a, a better culture at the same time too. Yeah. And it's always checking your ego, right? Because a lot of yeah. leaders get in and they do great things. And yes, your idea kicked it off. Um, but in order for us to scale, which we'll talk about later, um, we need to accept new ideas, accept that mm -hmm. we don't have the best idea, et cetera. But transitioning into the actual business itself from now that you and Drew have created this co-founded relationship that blossomed out of not the greatest, you know, initial circumstance. What was the real problem you saw in the agency world, being a part of an agency at the time as well, that made you develop Search and Gather? Yeah, great question. Um, there's probably three main points. Um, the first one was we worked with agencies and uh, I had ex experience being on the other side of the table and working with them. And I think what really um, threw me off was kind of the structure of how they structured their teams. You have the account manager, then you have the ops team, and then, you know, you have sales in the, it's, it's all very, very fragmented because most of the time people in ops don't want to talk to talk to the client. They, they, they'd love to be in the background and in the platforms, but you find those special people that are a little bit more hybrids. And I felt we never had that. The account manager, as good as they were, I think they had too many accounts that they were working on. They, they weren't the ones in the accounts really doing the work, so they didn't understand the ins and outs of it. And mm -hmm. as a startup, man, you come to a meeting and you don't know your numbers, you're, you're going to get a talking to. And so we, we really wanted to develop hybrids that the people that are working with our clients are the people in the accounts actually doing the work. And it just felt, it took out that playing telephone back and forth. The second one was we actually ended up getting agency jobs and, and I, I loved the agencies that we were at, but I feel like there's an old school agency mentality that's like, you know, doing your dues and kind of doing a lot of grunt work and kind of it's it's almost a little mean you know it's 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 very you know spit them up chew them out uh if it works it works get in get out um and 
I think that really sparked us that we wanted to be more equitable and we wanted to change the experience in an agency where it wasn't just like you have to basically sell your life to it and and go from there. We wanted to find people that could disconnect, but they were really good at it. And I think that we just wanted to treat our people better, even if that was like, you know, having less accounts or if just making sure that they had some skin in the game that they had ownership of search and gather because i found that in, within the agencies um that we were at it was never about building the agency it was just doing client work it was just always the here's the client don't lose the client um keep the client happy where i think the big what they lose is that i think inherently and this is maybe just my own wisdom people want to belong to something and they want to grow something so we always wanted Search and Gather to be our most important client for how many people we had. And can we do something special? Can we build something together? Because um, when we were working in startups, that just really, that meant something. You know, we, we knew that we were striving towards a goal. We knew that we were, you know, all building something. I feel like we also hire people with a lot of entrepreneurial um, traits. And we love that because, you know, I think that client work, we love our client work. Um, any of our clients out there listening, we, we love working with you, but I think that we also, our main focus is also us being our biggest client. I feel like everyone gets to feel a part of that. And I never really experienced that at some of the agencies, whether they were small or big, um, they were never really listening to the ideas of how we could, we could be better or drive the ship. And I think that's what gets people really excited. Um, I know that's what gets me really excited as well, you know, building something and creating and then having something you can look back on of what you achieved. Um, and the third thing was really just how we actually performed digital um, and how we actually did our jobs. Uh, we knew, I think that was the simple thing that we knew we could outperform a lot of the agencies. And I mean, no disrespect by other agencies. It's just being in the startup world, we could do more with less. And I think that we aggressively A-B test a lot more. We we do try to drive down any time to end revenue and our job doesn't stop off at how many leads we got you. We wanna know the quality. We wanna know if it's moving down the funnel. We always wanna go further. But I think that we have a group of amazing people that always wanna grow further. and. I think it's just the magic C word, we, we, we care. And I think that as we're building this together, we know every client matters and we know every client goes. And if we could, as we scale, keep that, uh, we kept that as our North Star and kind of like what we're achieving. And um, I think it's just equal to success so far in the first seven years, hopefully uh, it works over the next seven, but I, I never want to lose that search. It sounds like you're constantly changing and adapting though, like as necessary. And that was one of the big reasons for creating Search and Gather in the first place. Yeah. And um, we know everyone says, you know, the client's super important, all of that, just very, you know, typical business speak. But how do you, um, how do you actually ensure that the the client is first with, within, within the agency? Um. I think if you put your people first, the, 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 the clients are always happy. I mean, you can't put the client first if you're miserable where you're working. And you can't put the client first if you're not motivated 
to actually, you know, slug it out and do Black Friday campaigns till up the wazoo and, you know, you're, you're working like crazy. You, you need to have that motivation. I think it, it just naturally happens. I mean, sure, the clients are always first, but I guess um, being part of the team and growing it, I mean, that's easy on an individual level to always have the client first. But when you have a team, you have to make sure, I think that we put our people first to make sure the clients are always first. If that makes sense, there's, they kind of share, they share that, um, that space at the top for me. So the, the, the clients and um, our team are parallel and I don't want to put one um, above the other um, because I think like you're in a, you're in a situation to, you know, get in a mess. And I I know the model works when you don't, but um, I think that's, you know, what we're trying to do a little different. Yeah. And, and I, and I personally love it. And I think that's right. If you, your job is to care about your employees and their job is to care about the clients and it's, you know, if you don't care about them, they're not going to care about what drives your bottom line. Right? Yeah, and I, I think it actually <laughs> goes right down to the team, the team members too. The team members yeah. look out for other team members, knowing that that's important because they'll be helping out on that and trying to I guess I, oh, you know, that's the standard lead by example, but um, it, try try to hold on to that, and but that it it pays itself forward for the team members as well if they if they see you doing mm-hmm. that. So it's uh, yeah, kind of a one big happy family. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's going through crazy stressful times at some point. So, but but that's what gets us through. But that's growing pains, right? That's just Oops. that's just part of the journey. When um, when you look at sort of the turnover rate in agencies, because you've worked in agencies, we know that this is a huge problem in the industry. What does that look like for, for Search and Gather? Yeah, I think um, within the first four years, we had no turnover. Um, and I think it was, it was something that we never had to deal with. Um, everyone was pretty gung-ho, but as you get bigger, you're going to have a churn rate. And... I mean, the way that I look at it, um, and I can't speak for Drew, but I, I know it's it's similar. We don't own people. I mean, I don't, I want to see our people do great. And sometimes that means they get a great offer at a startup and, you know, they've done great work here and they're, they're ready to go. And it, it goes from there. Like, I'm, I'm happy to even be part of that development, but I am happy to say we have an amazing retention rate. I think better than most agencies that people stay in, but I feel um, that's also in part of some of the things that we have in place as well. Like people want to stay because, you know, especially people that have worked at other agencies, um, they kind of see the other side of the side of the, the coin. Um, and hopefully they, you know, they, they see the benefits that we're trying to put in, but turnover, I'll admit it's tough. I mean, hearing someone's going to leave, it's hard not to take personally sometimes. And I never expected that um, as, you know, co-founding the business and, having that be so stressful it's not about who's going to take over the accounts like that's a stressful thing but that's an easy problem to fix i always try to look at you know if it's fixable and in my control then you know that's something that i'll worry about um but someone just leaving because they were just really awesome to you know within the team and stuff but it's always bittersweet i think i've said it to everyone when i hear like someone's moving on it's it's bittersweet because i i think i i want to lean being happy for them um but then also uh it's tough but it's not like they're they're going forever we we still keep in touch with past team members um you know that 
we just enjoyed working with so much. Mofina, Michael Mofina is like a perfect example. He was our first designer. Um, he was very close to me because that was my end of the the uh, end of the business that I was looking after. But he had a chance to work on his dream client, and I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but it was his dream client that search and gather probably never going to get. And I remember when I found out, I was talking with my wife, and I, I ended up getting on the call with Drew. I'm like. Man, I'm just so happy for him. I'm sad, but I'm happy. Um, so I think the, the retention rate, again, and I, I say say it all the time, we don't own people and they don't owe us anything. It's 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 a job, it's fun. And if they want to move on, and I'd be a huge hypocrite. I bounced around like crazy. Um, I, I stayed for a certain amount of time, but I wanted new experiences. And our team is young and I want them to experience that too. But if they also want to, stay and grow something awesome and it, within there that that's aw, that's great as well but I, I will say like talent is a, probably one of our biggest challenges you know like finding yeah. finding the right people yeah and that obviously is going to impact our next question which mm-hmm. is with higher turnover rates typically in the industry unfortunately you've had better um yeah lower turnover rates than the typical agency in the industry. Um, how does that impact growing and scaling your business? Because we know that's one big challenge for any like digital marketing agency. For sure. Um, talent acquisition. I mean, we don't scale unless we scale in people. Um, I mean, there is some automation stuff that we could do, but technology is not going to, not going to, you know, I don't really help that. And coming from a tech startup, scaling, man, it was just, you know, getting new customers. The software does this <laughs> the work and we have developers that'll keep on going in. Um, this is my first really people-based company to scale. And I think that that, um, we have a really great system in place. And Drew has done such an amazing job um, of training, but also just finding the talent. He does a lot of that on my say on that side, and he's he's brilliant at it. And I also know that it's so laborious. Um, but I think we've got a good stride. But I'm also not going to scale for this the sense of scaling. And I think we also don't want to scale for the we want to scale right. I think what we've seen in a lot of other with our competitors and stuff where they scale so fast that they're just i think they're churning over those people because it's just they don't they're not doing it responsibly too fast is is not good and i know that um i'm coming from an industry where everyone wants to scale as fast as they possibly can i think that we try to scale right and if that means that we're not going to take on you know every project that we possibly can or every client that we possibly can um i'm happy doing that as long as we have uh operation chugga chugga um within uh the agency and chugga chugga really kind of looks at a train um it comes i have a one-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son so i've watched a lot of thomas the train it kind of came in you need both wheels going at the same time and you need it to work in unison and if you're just hiring for the sake of hiring and having that turnover i think that what people don't understand and what drew definitely is on his mind as well as like if you're having a lot of turnover that's just not bad for you learning losing that person it's also bad for the core team of having these people come in and out and it emotionally affects you too and you really have to look at that 
But Chugga Chugga really looks at the sales, which are always important, but the sales have to work in unison with talent acquisition and you can't stall. And I think that that's, we're in such, I see it with tech startups and everything else. Um, scale right, don't scale fast. Sure, do it as fast as you can, but scale right. Cause you wanna build that foundation. I think people get caught up with, it has to be fast, it has to be this, it has to be that. There's so many variables that come in and you know the talent crunch that, that is happening within Canada and the US and probably globally right now. Um, you, you have to play your cards right. And it's, I, I don't think that we, we're fortunate. We don't have investors or anyone breathing down our neck. We could kind of do this and I would feel like a responsible way of, again, scale right. Don't just scale for the sake of scaling. And I think if you kind of keep that I believe everything works out um, better and you, you will still see that scale. Um, mm -hmm. But what do I know? I'm only seven years into it. So someone <laughs> with 20 years might have the other thing. I think it's also important. Yeah, you don't know everything and you're gonna you're still gonna be learning as you're going through, but th that's where we're at right now. But that's incredible. Like seven years in, I think you should be giving yourself some massive kudos. <laughs> like um, the stats are stacked against you, basically, um, to have a business that's going for so long, especially in a market that's, you know, growing so fast and so saturated and everyone's trying to carve out their own little niche in it. Um, yeah. it's, it's tough. So, um, you can throw a stone you. and hit, you can throw a stone and hit a digital agencies, like where our office is. So it's, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it's something. <laughs> it, it really is. Um. You touched on scaling right, right? Mm -hmm. Like scale for the right reasons, not scale for scale. And a lot of people scale because they're they're chasing this definition of success and what mm -hmm. it means to have a successful business. W what is that definition for, for you at Search and Gather? Ooh, definition of a successful business and scaling right. Um, I think you have to take greed out of, out of the the equation i think like if i wanted to sign a bunch of new clients and totally overload the team i could go do it and it's in without care of what that's going to do or what retention is all and just kind of have this rotating door and of course i love signing new clients of course i love seeing revenue go up but i think scaling right in our case is that can the team handle this can we do a great job it's a i i there's an old saying in Thunder Bay. I'm going to show my Thunder Bay right now with pride. Um, it's called, uh, and I'm not a hunter, but uh, shoot the moose and figure out how to get to the bush later. There's some something about that. You have to, you know, sometimes sign the client and figure things out. But if I've learned anything probably over the last couple of years is that you, you can't take on too much. And if you take on too much, there's two things that are going to happen. Um, your quality is going to go down and your, your retention is going to go down because people are going to burn out and it, it's going to be too much on the team. Plus you might not do as good, good of a job. So I think in our business, it's really scaling right is looking at those factors instead of just always chasing the money, um, and, and chasing the opportunity. Of course you have to, you're going to have some crunch times, but um, not looking at that, I think that's probably one of the biggest downfalls for a lot of digital agencies, um, scaling too fast. And 
then their quality goes down. I, we, we take our name very, very seriously. And I, I think I mentioned this in our first conversation, like we don't want to be the biggest agency. We don't want to win awards. Um, we just want to be the most respected. So we have to do a good job to earn that respect. And I think with that respect and name, um, I'm hoping we can't go wrong. Um, so that's kind and of- And how do you measure that? How do we measure it? Um, I think with client retention, referrals, um, also just, it's funny because it comes out in the talent pool too. Um, if you're respected in, in the space and do a really good job and grow companies and you do kind of get this underlying name, but if, I think it's also, you see it come through with people that you are honored that applied to work here and that have such amazing experience that I feel could go work anywhere and, and, you know, can go nail it at any other agency or in-house. And I think you also measure it seeing the caliber of talent that kind of wanted, wants to, you know, jump in with you and, and, and go through. I think that obviously you have the numbers and the revenue and everything going up and that's very important. And we, you know, we, we've got that point down, but I think it's like those secondary things that when you start seeing talent, like come in and they're like, and it, unfortunately, even talent that's probably not right for us, but they're striving to want to be SNG like caliber and, and work at SNG. Um, that's a huge honor. And I think that that's how we also kind of look at it. I've been interviewing like crazy and hearing people that like might not even be a good fit, but really aspiring at that point. And even saying, you know, in the future, I'm hoping, you know, I'm going to go get some more experience and come through and, and be there. Um, I loved that about companies that I wanted to aspire to work with work at and kind of you know show my stuff so i think you gotta kind of have to look at those um those factors too and also uh the fact that i'm even talking on this podcast right now <laughs> probably doing something right like uh and honored to to be here and kind of share the story as well so i think uh i guess that's how we measure it um there's always revenue but there's there's some other stuff on how we kind of look at it. and the overall happiness of the team too i i think that's another thing that um that we kind of want to look at it's tough to yeah. measure, but we, we do do pulse surveys and, you know, but I think we find more of just one-to-one, like getting to know everyone. And we do, we still try to take that time with everyone on the team to make mm-hmm. sure um, we're checking in. I think it's really important to sort of talk about, you know, defining success in different ways, because mm-hmm. one of the main reasons I actually started this podcast, um, as I was determining whether I was going to step away from my full-time job and jump into the entrepreneurial world. Um, every time I talked about entrepreneurship, there, there were two names that constantly came up and, you know, it was the Jeff Bezos and Elon <laughs> Musk. And I was just like, there are so many other amazing entrepreneurs in the world that don't necessarily have that level of, of success that might not come for every generation, but let's like, let's hear some stories of different measures of success. It's like you said, it's not always about revenue, but it's important because you don't it have is, a business if you don't have revenue, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's incredible to see that, you know, you can be happy with um, whatever level of success that, that you choose. And, um, as long as you can define that for yourself, whether that's a dollar value, whether that's, you know, just simply being respected um, and loving the business that you do every day and loving your company and your people, um, that's that's a huge measure of success that people underestimate. But success also, in my opinion, 
can I swear on this podcast? It's it's, it's <laughs> I'm gonna you can edit it. It's bullshit. Um, because when you look at success and measuring it and going, like I I get depressed any any milestone that we actually hit. But my happiest point is the journey getting there, and I think that that's the one thing that they miss, right? Um, you always want to be at the top of the revenue and everything and defining success. Am I successful? Is there a success? Um, how you handle that journey and the, the, your happiness in that journey and building and through the grind time and through all of that, I think is way more important to look back on and way more important to define your own success of did we get through it? I, I feel like whenever we hit a goal, Sure, we have another goal behind it, but never like, hey, we made it. And you know, we should. We, we, I, I remember uh, sitting with Amanda after uh, an RBC meeting. Uh, we were working with owner and we we're on the, you know, the, the patio of uh, uh, Bar Hop and we looked over at the E1 building. We're like, we want an office downtown. We want an office downtown. We're going to get it. We're going to do it. And, we're at Queenus Padata. We're, we're, you know, we, we ended up hitting that goal. But I'll tell you, like, getting that isn't as, doesn't have the same satisfaction of actually getting there. I had more fun building to get there. And I think that's why we have to have goals. But the goal isn't about the end. It's really about the fun time or crazy time you're going to have getting there. And I think, I don't know if it's just me, but that's the way I look at it. Um, if the journey isn't fun, the goal or success never is defined. So if you're always in that journey and kind of doing well, um, I, I don't know. I, I think that that's success more than anything else. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, but what do I know? And it sounds like you're, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you, that's what you yeah. know. Um, in all of this, and I know you think about the journey, and obviously we talked about some challenges with just the nature of the business. What about like, you know, the really hard times? Like, is there a time you really wanted to just quit and you're like, I'm done. Let's shut down, walk away too much. Yeah, absolutely. I would be a liar, liar, pants on fire if I said that I have not wanted to pack it in a couple of times. Um, those times, it's never usually the work. I think it's usually the, the work comes with stress. You're going to have stress in a job. You're going to have stress. Um, throw two co-founders that are, you know, absolutely uh, polar opposites, still good friends. But I remember when we were, um, we used to have an office on Beatrice uh, Street by, uh, by uh, Trinity Bellwoods. We rented our first floor of a house. It was, it was pretty interesting. Um, it was one of those growing times, but we had the back lane that there was times where Drew and I would just be going at each other. And it's really, it wasn't that, it was really just on those stressful times going in. I think like, um, if you're feeling off with your co-founder, that's, those are the times where I've wanted to pack it in a little bit and we've never done it, but I think that that's the biggest thing that's been the stress. Um, if we lose a client, I'll find another client. I'll die trying finding another client. I'll always be able to, again, those things are in my control. Um, losing people, but I think that if things get, and I think it comes back to even talking about scaling right, don't try to do too much at the same time, because if you get to that point where it is too much, 
and you want to pack it in, um, you're probably doing either you're doing something wrong and you have to take a step back. And especially, I think the only times where I've had that is probably when Drew and I are both too stressed and we lose that communication or that connection. Um, but now even furthermore, I think it's important to keep that connection with Michael and Amanda who are now partners in the agency and worked up with that. It's, it's maintaining those, those relationships. And I think that we've gotten so great at that, that, uh, haven't really had any long like pack it in moments, but I think another thing that people don't realize though, um, when you start a business, you do get locked in a little bit, you get locked in and no one ever, no one ever tells you, you never even think about that because you just got this eye on the prize, but this is the longest I've ever stayed at any company. I know I haven't like be a co-founder, but I find myself sometimes being like, wow, wouldn't that be really nice to, you know, go, go do a tech startup again or go do that. But, but, you know, you have this beast that you created that you have people depending on you and you have, you know, you got to keep the ship running. So I think that lack of different experiences or meeting new people in, in, in like work situations, I, I sometimes miss and not, not to the point where I want to pack it in, but um, that's something that it's, it's, yeah, I think even just over the last couple of years, I've been like, oh, wait, I'm not going to go work anymore. It's like, I've got Searching Gather to build and do all that. And then you're, you're kind of in it, right? Yeah. Um, and you don't, it, it's never monotonous or anything. It's just, I'm also the kind of person, I, I love new experiences. I love doing that. So, um, but I, I still get, you know, a lot of variety with new team members coming in, new clients. But uh, yeah, so sometimes you miss that a little bit or being the new guy on the team. I loved being the new guy on the team. Like, bring me in. Me too. I loved being the new person on any team. And I'll milk that for as long as possible. <laughs> yeah. I also loved, you know, figuring people out and how's this teamwork and what's going on and how am I going to fit in? I, I love that. So it's yeah. always uh, kind of fun. So I haven't had the, I haven't had the new job jitters in uh, uh, a really long time where I used to have it a lot more frequently. So you just uh, need to that's... go on undercover boss or something, even if that show is still on. <laughs> Love it. You know, you end up having other things too. Like I'm still a musician, got a couple records out. So I, I got things to, uh, to, you know, keep, keep, keep that going. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty fun. Amazing. What is one thing um, you're most proud about in your entrepreneurial journey? Making Amanda and Michael partners. I don't think I've been so proud, um, but also just happy to be able to recognize how important, you know, they were in the beginning and being able to do It's definitely my most proudest moment. Um, and I, and I, I would think Drew's too, and we have more to come. Like I want more partners and more shareholders and more people in to, you know, do that. But I think that um, that felt really great because I think I've been in situations where your hard work doesn't really get noticed and your hard work doesn't you, you know you're, you've drank the juice you, you're you're there you're doing everything you can and um given circumstances you don't really get the rec- recognition um and or you know an acquisition goes through and you you know the payout isn't what you thought it was going to be or you know you kind of end up getting miffed on that it happens and i'm sure there's tons of stories in the tech scene with that but um proudest moment was being able to bring Michael and Amanda in on the partner model. Um, they more than deserved it. I don't know a lot of co-founders that would actually do it, to be honest. And I think that um, 
it was really also us making good on a promise, but I think making good on a promise always, it feels good too. Um, and I wasn't proud of myself. I was proud of them. And I think I was proud of the group and proud that we're doing what we said we were going to do. Um, and that's where we're going in the future. So yeah, Michael and Amanda become partners that one of the happiest days is searching out for me. That's amazing. That's, that's really great to hear, especially because Amanda was obviously on our podcast as well. And she's a co-founder of her own company. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's really unique. And we don't see that so often where, you know, businesses or employers are as happy to see their employees do these side gigs and, and be successful at it as well. And I think that's a really unique situation. Not most people don't actually get to get to experience. Most people actually hide their side hustles. Everyone um, hides their side hustle. I had side hustles and, and I think we talked about this before, but like, I love people who have side hustles. I, Absolutely. Honestly, you, you get a tick on the box. Um, if we're first talking in an interview or something and, you know, it comes out or I'll even find it sometimes. It's pretty easy to find people's side hustles. And um, I think it shows great motivation. I think it also proves that they're self-learners and they are able to think on their feet. I also think that if it doesn't affect any of the work at Search and Gather, that means you're putting an extra time to build another thing on the on the side. You're only going to be learning more. You're only going to be more experienced. You, and it just shows such drive and passion that I would rather reward that than you know uh, be a jerk about it. And I remember it being at other agencies where it was very very much frowned upon. Um, I mean, I'm not talking about stealing clients or anything like that, like it going through, like that's obviously bad, but it just, I, I love that. And you know what, again, I, I would be a hypocrite. Yeah, I, I had side hustles. I had everything. And I think most of my learning was there. And I think that's why I have such a, a respect for it as well. Amazing. Amazing. Well, this has been such an incredible conversation. Um, I love how passionate you are about everything, even things that aren't the greatest, most fluffy things to talk about. Um, You still have so much thought behind it. Your passion is obviously keeping Search and Gather going along with your team and your co-founder, Drew. And like I said, seven years, celebrate that. That's huge. We just celebrate (laughs) yeah please do please do I wish it was later in the day to have a drink (laughs) I'd be down 100% and thank you so much for taking the time I love what you're doing and as I enjoyed every second of this so thanks so much and then again the team would say I love talking so I'm probably in my element right now but um I thank you so much for the thoughtful questions and what you're doing and if there's anything in the future you need let me know Um, we're here to help Absolutely. We'd love to work together sometime with you, but where can your customers find you and who are your customers? Let's tell them. Yeah, our customers, we're pretty agnostic, but I, I would say like where we fit in the tool belt a lot is with a lot of uh, tech startups and scale-ups. Um, whether that be e-com or, you know, business SaaS. Um, and I think that also like potential customers, you know, we only focus on on paid digital. So only the paid advertising aspect of it 
Um, we could have gone into SEO, we could have gone into, you know, community management and organic, but we really wanted to keep our focus and be really, really, really good at that area. Um, but they can find us at searchandgather.co. Um, they, I would even tell them to, you know, search up search and gather reviews. Um, they're all good. Uh, <laughs> we're happy with that. But I think it's, it's also important to hear from the clients that are working with us. A lot of these reviews are done third party through uh, Clutch, so we don't have any control on anything like that. I hate agencies that just have a bunch of case studies. Obviously, I'm only going to put good case studies up, but these are uh, third party reviews. It's something we have no control over and just from our clients um, being happy. And I, I would actually say, do you know what? Good. Go over to Googs, put in search and gather reviews, and then, uh, you know, go from there and there, there's a bunch of CTAs. Uh, if we're doing our job right, you'll, you'll be able to get in contact with me. Amazing. So definitely look up Search and Gather at searchandgathers.co. Did I get it yeah. right? We don't have the .com yet, so .co, but uh, <laughs> one of these days, they're still holding on to it. .com's coming soon. <laughs> .com, 2024, hopefully. I think that's when it renews. So we'll see if you'll sell it to me. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, Doug, again, for your time. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure and we'll catch up later. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Bye. A huge thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in every week to hear about our buzzworthy businesses. Don't forget to rate us on whatever platform you're listening and following us at, at Hamilton Hive on all of the social media platforms. But most importantly, we want to thank our team of dedicated volunteers who make this podcast possible on a weekly basis. So here we go. Cesar Cardenia. Khaled Imam, James Clark, Trisha Ford, Ratri Toon, Hirsch Kumar Patel, Fernando Rodriguez, Yvette R., and yours truly, Shalacia Harris. Don't forget to tune in next Monday for a new episode of Buzzworthy.